0: you are now entering the mxu podcast no credentials required hey everybody welcome to episode 53 of the mxu podcast my name is jeff sandstrom and i'm here as always with my good friend and partner in crime lee fields how you doing buddy well i'm good now that my mic works yeah, we had a little uh, little issue with the old technology
1: today. What what we are did. you doing? And I have to say that if there was ever a day for this not to happen, it would be today. <laughs> so our guests today are Sergeant Major Brian Archer and Staff Sergeant Alex Ryder from the United States Army, Pershing's own band. They are technical support and audio engineers for the band. And as you'll hear, We spend the better part of an hour talking about how important fundamentals, sticking to the basics, remembering procedures, (laughs) standard operating (laughs) procedures. Well, here's what I did today. I was out to brunch with some friends, and I knew we were going to record the podcast around midday. Well, I'm out of town, and I'm traveling with my podcast rig. I've got it all in a mic bag. I've got the USB-C to USB adapter, the USB cable my USB microphone, my little stand, I've got it all. It's the it's the rig that you use every time every we time. record one of these. Yes. Yeah, it it's always works flawlessly. Yeah, for 52 episodes prior. Worked great. Well, the guys were like, hey, let's get over to, we're at Transformation, putting some consoles in. And so, well, I need to go back to the hotel and grab this mic. And Jeremy from the church was like, hey, we just bought a bunch of SM7s and some interfaces, and I've got headphones. Just use my, my rig. I'm like... Oh, okay. In the back of my head, I thought, I mean, I should just go get my stuff. <laughs> so I roll in, get all his stuff set up. You know, I've got 15 minutes before we're supposed to be on Zoom with these guys. And wouldn't you know, laptop not seeing the USB, can't get the mic to show up. I'm downloading drivers. I'm doing all this stuff. And then I'm texting you one minute to go, like, I'm going to be late, having yeah. major issues. Anyway, so I'm, trying
0: to st- I'm trying to stall with them on yeah. Zoom going, okay, well, Lee's on his way. He should be here any minute. And it's like clocks ticking. So it's everything that they say about that sort of last minute band is late, stuff's <laughs> not plugged in or not working right. What are we going to do? It's just, it's so apropos that that was your day today because you learned something from the main audio engineer for the army. Yeah, they don't want You're anything welcome.
1: to do with me. He's like this joker <laughs> has his own podcast about audio and shows up a late to with two army guys and then his mic doesn't work. No. I am kind of being silly, but those guys are they were fantastic, really yeah, really
0: good dudes. Yeah, I can't, can't wait for you guys to hear that conversation coming up soon. But meanwhile, you guys are at Transformation Church. We are doing a console upgrade this week, so yep. How's it going? I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen the stuff online. It looks awesome. Sounds great. Yeah. But how how has the process been?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting process because they're in the middle of a huge remodel. So their worship space, it's an arena. It's being remodeled. They're set up in their lobby recording right now and just taking over office spaces where consoles are. Well, they bought a handful of Yamaha Rivage consoles. Um, but they've had some as loners while um, their PM10s were coming in. So okay. yesterday, well, Aaron and I flew to Oklahoma City, and we set up at Skylark shop on Monday and Tuesday with all the consoles and got them programmed talking to each other before we brought them to the church. So instead of doing that here, we did all that at their shop where we could make cables, get everything done right before they showed up. So then yesterday we rolled in and I thought this was really smart what we did. They've been doing broadcast every night for the last 20 days. They're doing like a 21 days of prayer type event. So every night it's a band's showing up five minutes before they start and they're on the air. So swapping out a console without doing a sound check was like, well, this could be sketch. So
0: That'd be like trying to use a new interface and microphone for a podcast recording.
1: (laughs) Bingo. (laughs) So um, Aaron set up the new broadcast console inside their system, but we didn't use it to the web. So we ran it like a dry test flight is what I called it. So it was working, but it wasn't going live. Yeah, so um, I call it. When a city builds a bridge, a new bridge, they don't tear the old one down and then start the new one. They build the new bridge beside the old bridge, make sure it works, and then tear the old one down. So that's what we did. So today, we're doing the same thing with monitors. So there's a monitor console parked beside theirs, but it's not going to be used. We're just going to check every single mix, make sure they've got everything they need. And then when they have ample time to do proper switch over they'll swap that out the rental gear goes away their new consoles come in and then there's two other consoles a master control console and a front of house console that we'll do um, in April uh, when their room is ready to reopen so I'll come back for that but yeah it's going really good very cool well that's really smart that's efficiencies
0: that's good that we're talking about that a lot today so
1: efficiencies yes Yeah, and the inauguration was yesterday, so um, very great timing to have our two new friends on the podcast. What else have we been doing new? Um, We got lots of content coming out. Got lots of content. So for those of you
0: guys who've been living under a rock and don't know about what's new with MXU now, um, one of the things that's coming, actually, the first episode is, I think, out now. Uh, from our garage sessions that we did with you and me over over the internet um, figuring out how to make your mix better and so because it sucked well that's what one of our friends told (laughs) us and so we we decided that wasn't uh that wasn't good so anyway um our conversation about that is is coming up and there's i think 10 altogether 10 individual videos i
1: think so it's something like that it's um, I listened to it last night, you know, just checking to make sure it's actually good enough to release, and um, I think it is. So I'm really excited about it to see people, um, hear people's reactions on that whole process, you know, taking yeah. a mix I had made in 2012, one in 2019, taking the good, the bad, the ugly from each, and and making a new one. So that's on the library. The first video should should be out right now. And there's a lot of other stuff
0: that is being edited as we speak that's going to be on the site soon. We've got a huge content plan in the works for 2021, and we're really excited about it. So go to mxu.rocks and sign up for MXU Now today. Um, Get your whole team involved, because the other thing that we've got going that I'm really excited about is some videos that would be great for onboarding a new volunteer so when we were at Tweed a couple months ago, Tweed Recording, we talked about some super basic stuff that a new volunteer to a church production team would would need to know that we haven't really ever talked about before, like what is a sound wave and what is a frequency and how do combining frequencies make a particular sound and how does EQ actually manipulate those Things. so it's you know it's back to basics but in terms of onboarding a brand new person man there's some great stuff coming and I can't wait for you to see it
1: yep and we talked to some friends about doing the same thing for video so this year we're going to add video content how to train your camera ops how to cut a song same thing for lighting we're going to record lighting videos this year on actually how to program a song and the usual suspects are going to help us out with all that Daniel Cannell Um, Been talking to Chad Vegas, formerly of Bethel. He's here at Transformation now. And Andy and Zach at Elevation. We've been talking to those guys too. So lots of exciting stuff coming. Thanks to those guys for willing to help out and make churches be the best they can be. Well, hey, I think we need to get to our
0: conversation with our army buddies because um, they have a lot of great stuff to say. So let's get to it. Fire away. We're so excited to be joined today by sergeant major brian archer and staff sergeant alex Ryder from the united states pershing's own army band this has been a long time coming we've tried to get these guys in a conversation um, for a couple of months now and we're really excited to be talking today so guys welcome
2: yeah thanks for having us thank you very much
1: okay i have like a gazillion questions because Anytime we've interviewed people, you know, audio engineers, we ask them, like, how they got started, what, you know, what are they doing lately? But you never really think about people that do uh, this in our field that are serving our country in the military. So, I'm just imagining, like, when a volunteer comes and asks me at the church, like, hey, how do I I sign up? That looks like fun. Um, They have a very (laughs) – there's a very low hurdle – for someone to get involved on my team. And for you guys, you have to go to basic training. <laughs> you don't send your guys to boot camp for 12 weeks, Lee? Well, they may think it's boot camp, but no, it is It is <laughs> not like our two friends here. So, I mean, I, I got certainly questions about that, but um, why don't you guys tell us what it is that you do, what Pershing Zone is, and and your two roles there?
2: The U.S. Army Band Pershing Zone here in D.C. We're based at Fort Myer in Arlington, which is right over the river from D.C. But we are the premier army band and we are in charge of supporting missions in and around the D.C. area. Um, There's a couple different bands all over the army and uh, the field band is an example that they tour and they go all over the country. Um, but us in Pershing Zone, we are in the DC area, and there are enough events and missions going on here that that we, we keep ourselves busy. We're right next to Arlington National Cemetery, so our ceremonial band is in there performing honors um, every day. Our buglers and drummers are at the Tomb of the Unknown um, for wreath laying ceremonies and changing of the guards and um, and then we have a total of around 250 musicians in the organization. Uh, we have nine major ensembles. Uh, we have our, the concert band, we have the chorus, we have the Army Blues, which is our jazz ensemble. We have um, the ceremonial band. We have-
3: Rangers Downranges, uh, are Like yeah. a pop rock ensemble. Yep. Um, brass quintet brass quintet woodwind quintet army voices which is a mixed vocal ensemble Mm -hmm. so two vocal ensembles uh and then the u.s army strings which the string uh component i think there's 25 string players that they perform independently and then they'll combine forces with the concert band to do more of a of a uh, orchestral type performance
1: okay so when you, when you say, like, yeah, we're uh, the band, the Pershing Zone band, it's, it's really like, here's 250 people that cover lots of bands and lots of events, and it sounds yes. like it's almost every day of the year. Well, with Arlington, it is every day of the year. So you guys are quite busy, and I also read online and did a little research, there's a lot of people on the technical support team for the band.
3: Absolutely, there is. So uh, I'm the what's called the the technical support group leader. Uh, So we have 15. uh, We have a a couple current vacancies that uh, we're actually hiring for. We can talk about that at some point in time. Uh, But we have a a number of individuals that uh, cover all the technical aspects in the logistical aspects of anything really to do with putting on the performance from getting the gear to the site, doing site surveys, site recons, uh, all the staging, all of the audio, all the lighting a- uh, aspects fall under that technical support group. Uh, we also have a, a complete video section as well. They're in- independent of us, but we we integrate with them quite frequently.
0: That's very cool. So when you guys are performing, let's say with the concert band, are you... Um, in a particular venue consistently or are you kind of all over dc doing different events
2: we definitely have our our regular venues that we use for performances uh but every performance is different so there's a, a we have our own performance hall on at fort myer um and so before covid uh we would get we have a Couple, we have a tuba euphonium conference and a trombone workshop that we give that that's a week-long conference and so we give performances there um there's a couple nice halls at some community colleges in the area that we we will perform a couple times a year at um, and then one of my favorite shows that we do is uh on the steps of the capitol um uh, every friday um during the summer and so we're definitely all all around DC. That's very
0: cool. So for that event, what does the PA and all of the miking and all that stuff
2: look like for that capital steps type event? So I, I haven't been in the band as long. So it, it used to be uh, a larger setup, but every year our setup time has been diminished. And so with the setup time dwindling, we we just don't have time to mic everyone and, and cause there's no shell there. There's no st- physical stage. And so, uh, our most recent iteration is, uh, two, two, um, two main top boxes on the sides that are on sticks on top of subs that, um, because of the size of the concert band and, and where, the layout of the area is a little tricky. And so it's kind of a wide setup. Um, And so we have a top box that kind of shoots down the mall and then we have some side flanks to kind of shoot down the sidewalks a little bit. Um, And then we have our main front of house mixer. Again, because of the parameters, we're only able to get about like 20 feet in front of those speakers with the, uh, the front of house console. Um, wow. And then we have monitors uh, because a lot of times, especially with concert band gigs that we do there, we have singers featured mm-hmm. uh, singer soloists um, or Broadway arrangements of tunes with ensemble singers. Um, and so we have front front wedges for them and for the rhythm section and risers for chorus members and uh, And then most of the time, We've tried a couple of different miking techniques uh, stereo pair kind of right in front of the uh, the conductor that way we don't get any of the solo singers or the soloists in those mics so we can have a little more control um, and then recently we've been doing some lower large diaphragm condensers with windscreens kind of splayed across the the front of the ensemble to try and capture everything
3: yeah so to to jump in a little bit. The, the Capitol steps performance that we do, uh, it's fantastic. It's a, it's a great venue. Uh, it's, I mean, you know, you're, you're at the seat of American power there, yeah. uh, but it's actually one of the smallest scale performances that we'll do at least for the, out, for the outdoor perspective. So doing the, the sort of, uh, area miking and that usually works pretty well. Again, two boxes aside there's a lot of constraints there there's a power constraint there's a time constraint there's a lot of security to go through um yeah and it's an it's a weekly series uh so we try to make it as efficient as possible um there's also a lighting issue so it, usually in the summer the performances are at 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. every night so by the time uh and we'll, we'll bring some you know some uh just led lights out to to shine light on the band there's no time to get in there to do any crazy lighting focus or something like that we just need to simply illuminate them as the sun goes down um but once that gets done then we have to sit there and and always are thinking about the out and we're doing the out in the dark because the power will come uh the 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 electrician comes and he shuts our power off because we're pulling it directly from the capital service uh and then getting trucks in and out there loading that stuff in the dark so we try to make that as efficient as possible it's it's three 26 foot trucks usually for that. And two of those trucks are all instruments. I mean, we, we take, we, we do all the, all the cartage. It's so you're taking string bass, you're taking harp, you're taking four to five timpani, you're taking all of the percussion instruments, which are all in, everything's in a road case. But I mean, when you bass you, drum, marimba. Yeah, all that stuff, it, it, that eats up an entire truckload. And we're trying not to stack too much if we don't have to, because then that still is coming up and down on our lift. There's no loading dock, you know, at the Capitol there's certain areas that you can and you can't drive and there's, there's a whole host of issues that go in. So making that gig as efficient as possible, it's, it's definitely, uh, the approach that we try to take, uh, most often is what is appropriate for the venue. And then how do we get in and out as efficiently as possible? Not fast, but efficient. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's so awesome. You're basically, it's like a portable church, like week in, week out, unload that truck and get in as fast as you can and get out. So our, our listeners can totally compare to this. (laughs) For
3: sure. Except you're, you're, you're lugging five timpani with you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's, that's (laughs) That's exactly what I was
1: about to say, except for the timpani piece and the secret service watching you and all, you know, those things. Um,
3: Yeah. There's a, what was it? I think taking a set of chimes, tubular chimes. I mean that in a case, I mean, that's, it's a great instrument. Super cool. It's about 400 some
1: pounds. So Brian, I'm assuming that's your job to coordinate all those logistics.
3: Uh, Yeah. So ultimately we get a a host of missions. And I think that uh, aside from the ceremonial missions uh, where it's, it's uh, like we saw with the inaugural doing a parade, there's no audio support for that, but most all the other ensembles will require some type of audio support or uh, simply transportation support. So All those missions will come down. We have about 250 overall a year. So that's also why, you know, the size of our team is that big. Uh, So you can have concurrent uh, performances happening at the same time. So yeah, all all that stuff comes down and it filters through me. We make sure that uh, everybody has what they need to support those particular missions. Um, And then just like any other production company, I mean, you're managing personnel, you're managing the schedules and ensuring that... uh, if the client calls and you've got multiple clients, then you've got to serve all those equally. So that's kind of my main role now. And, and every now and then they'll let me special guest mix.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's usually the way it goes. The more responsibility you get, the less you touch those faders. This is true. So Brian, how did you find yourself doing this? What's your background?
3: Um, My background originally, uh, I'm a drummer. So did the whole, you know, high school and college music thing. Um, I enlisted in the army in 1993 as a drummer in the uh, regular band field. Um, did that, you know, for a, a number of years. And through that time uh, evolving, especially in, in the nineties where there was, you know, the, the gigantic influx of loops and tracks and, you know, going from a normal drum set player in a cover band now required you to have this entire other set of skills. So I just, I I really started organically uh, and it was kind of a necessity to start learning, you know, how this works and then start meeting people that are in the industry and say, hey, teach me what you know. Uh, Trading some time, like discount rates on sessions to to be able to hang out in the studio longer. And still when there was a bit of an opportunity to... Have sort of the uh, not an official internship, but trying to absorb as much of that knowledge as possible. Reading all of the books that were out there, you know, buying a fourteen oh two and a, a, a couple of mics here and there to, to do your own sound. And one one of the big things that hit me, I was doing a uh, a, a jazz quartet gig with some great players, and the sound guy was loading his stuff out. And I just asked him the question. I was like, Hey man, how much do you charge for this? And what he told me for his fee was more than the entire band was making. I was like, (laughs) I need to diversify my skill set here. Cause I think, you know, know, I might be on the wrong (laughs) end of the snake here. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so that, that was, you know, sort of the outside of, of the army of gaining that experience. And, Up until recently, the Army itself in in the regular band field didn't even have um, dedicated audio engineers. It was always sort of an additional assignment. Um, So, getting that um, experience on the outside, bringing it back into the Army, you know, working, mixing bands uh, in the Army, and for lack of a better term, just it's all necessity for me bringing it up. Um uh, hmm. but then the in 2007 uh there was an opening for a slot here in the army band and came in and and took the audition um got the job and I've you know been here ever since so it's really been kind of a, a natural evolution for me there was I never set out to be like I want to be an audio guy yeah, always trying to keep it music first and gear second, which is also great that I've got uh somebody like Alex that when I hear some new G Wiz bang plug in insert thingamajig, like I was like, Hey man, what's this? And he goes, Oh, it's a, it's a new snake. I'm like, Oh, cool. I know what that is.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. It's like,
3: does it sound good? Like, yeah, it's great, but it only, it's like a USB three cable. It only runs for one meter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like you were around then as this thing grew into what it is. So if there weren't audio engineers in the band, you know, 15, 16 years ago, and there's a ton now, there's, is there
3: 16 engineers? Um, yeah. So, sorry, there, there is a a distinction for some of the listeners that might not know. So the, the army has a, a band program, uh, and then they have what are called the special bands. Okay. And, um, there are four special bands that are Uh, independent of the regular army band field. So let's say if you're near Fort Bragg, North Carolina or Fort Campbell, Kentucky, there's an army band that's assigned to the division or that particular installation. Uh, But those are jobs where you could do three or four years there, and then you'll come down on orders and you'll go to another location. The special bands are a little bit more unique in that they hire based upon a vacancy, and you can uh audition as an active duty military member or also uh as a civilian so uh the special bands have had dedicated audio engineers uh for some time okay so uh there's the band at west point in new york uh they have fantastic crew there the field band that's just at fort Meade, maryland a little bit north of us uh they have a crew there um the Marine, the Marine Band as well, they've got their own dedicated folks, uh, the Air Force Band, the Navy Band. Um, so, yeah, th- to clarify, the regular Army Band field, I think in the past three or four years now has an officially dedicated uh, slot for audio engineers. They've created uh, their own training program that's at the Armed Forces School of Music. So somebody would go there, you enlist... You go to basic training and then you'll go to your advanced training, you know, focusing in on your instrument or as a music production technician. I think that's what the official title of that job is.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's very helpful. And then you just mentioned something to spark my next question. So there are civilian positions and um, enlisted positions also, or they Uh, can there be vice versa or mix and match?
3: No, they're all... Enlisted positions. Okay. Uh, the officers are the conductors are all are all army officers. So, but you can audition as a civilian. Okay. So, like the the recent uh, posting that we had that um the, that one is actually closed. Uh, we put out a, a, a call. Just hey, there's there's a job opportunity. Whether you're active duty, National Guard, or a civilian, we we take all those applications in, and then uh you know try to find the most qualified individuals. the same thing for uh if it's a, a an instrumental audition. you know we're, we're looking at uh finding the best talent possible uh and if so if you're already on active duty and let's say you applied for the job, you came in, uh you interviewed, you got the job, then you would be transferred from your current location. but if you're a civilian, you still have to go through all of the regular uh, uh army enlistment procedures you've got to go through the meps center to ensure that you know you you've got two feet and ten hands ten fingers ten toes um you've got to go to basic training but once you're done with that then you're permanently assigned here to uh Pershing zone or one of the other special bands that's the that's a bigger distinction is that we're permanent here so um I'd been moving around to a variety of different uh army bases through my career until I got assigned here and then it, it's sort of my my last stop even though I can be here for for a number of years
1: gotcha. got it I was close to applying until you said basic training I was like well
0: <laughs> well I know that there are a lot of people who are hearing this and you know we were going to get to this eventually but since we're on this topic if somebody's listening and they're going man that's me like what kind of opportunities are there currently and if somebody wanted to apply or enlist and try to go through that path as a career choice what's the what's the best advice you have
3: what's the best way to do that do you want to take this one out sure yeah as the new guy yeah so
2: and yeah uh like sergeant major said i i've i've been in for three years so i recently went through this process uh within the last three years um and i came from the civilian side um and so the i think if if you're interested in jumping in right now uh, you can definitely look on the Premier Bands websites f- to see what their openings are. So if you go to usarmybands.com, uh, you you can see other openings that they have in the other army band fields, not in the special bands. Um, and so if there isn't, uh, it's a 9X-ray is the job title um, in the army for, for this tech job in that field. Um, if they have a 9X-ray opening, then you can talk to a recruiter that is specifically engaged with the army band fields and they can, um, set you up with a audition, um, and then all, all of these jobs to get into either the special bands or into the, the other, um, band field in the army is, is through an audition process. So talking to a recruiter and they will get you on that path. Um, and most of the time you do have to go through that medical process and that medical clearing process before you kind of go to your final audition, uh, before you can get a thumbs up to, to, to join.
3: Yeah. If, to to jump in, uh, aside from sort of the administrative aspects of enlisting, it it would be like enlisting into any other job in, in the armed forces, but you asked sort of what are the things to prepare yourself? Uh, Honestly, my best advice is do what you would do for any other audio or technical type position. I mean, if you want to be on tour with somebody being a system tech, well, learn all the things that great system techs know. You want to be a stage manager, learn everything. You have that background. Um, So there really isn't anything uh, different And how you would prepare yourself, uh, for, um, a professional audio position, uh, that we do, except for the aspect that you're committing to at least an enlistment term, uh, in, in the armed forces.
2: So I, I think some other suggestions for if you, if you do find one of those openings and then you're about to go in for an audition and you, and you land an audition spot, um, Getting your hands on on a console somewhere and just putting in some some hours going through and uh, making sure that you you understand gain staging and and high pass filters and phase and um, kind of going through and hitting the basics along the way, um, having a solid grasp on that, being able to show that you understand those concepts in auditions can go a long way. Sometimes when you jump in on an audition and you start throwing multiband compressors up right away or nope. EQing or or putting seven verbs on your snare drum nope. or you spend 50 <laughs> minutes 50 <laughs> minutes uh, sound checking your kick drum yeah uh, it it it's like sticking to the basics and doing the basics really really well uh, can can take you a, a long way
3: our audition process so w- you you've submitted your packet and we we look through see maybe what your professional experience is uh what you know what background you have um we've had some folks that have gone through great uh, music schools some folks that have been spent years in the trenches you know just out in industry uh once you come in uh, for most of our mixer positions we'll do two two applications uh, one is with a live kind of a pop ensemble, and then the other is in the studio. So the live sort of scenario is the band is late. You've got 10 minutes to do a sound check. Uh, we don't throw any tricks at anything like that. So here's a console, 32 channels, it's laid out. We've taken care of the monitors. We really want to evaluate what your workflow is, how what you prioritize uh in that given situation how you interface with the band on uh, a compressed timeline. I mean, you can know all the gear and the gizmos and can get that killer guitar sound, but you know, if you've got a bad attitude, that shows itself really quick. If you don't adapt to stress, that, that shows uh, equally as well. So we'll do that, and then we'll usually have the band. The band gets kind of tired of doing it, but they'll play the same song for every auditionee two times. So what we're looking for in that is, okay, you played the tune. Cool. Did you, did you get a mix-up in, in, in that period of time? Great. What did you notice? Because I want to hear that, oh yeah, you, you missed the beginning of that guitar solo uh, the first time, but you caught it. And the second time, were you ready for it or not? Did you actually pay attention to what it was you're listening to, and did you continue to refine it along the way? Um, we do that for the live side, and then for the studio, it's a, it's a broadcast mix scenario where... We have a a, a tune that's uh, already done. It's coming in on a large format. Uh, we have a forty-eight channel API Legacy Plus console. Uh, all the tracks, everything's balanced. We give somebody a, a reference. Uh, it's got things like audience mics. It's got an announce mic on there, and we give you forty minutes to listen to it, create a mix, and to print the two mix. Uh, similar to like we've got to be ready to go on air in a short period of time. So again we're looking at your workflow what you prioritize how quick you can move uh, if you're there, there's a always a time and a place as alex said for cool if us throw seven verbs on the snare when you're under the gun with 10 minutes <laughs> to get something up that ain't the time to do it i don't care about your multiband parallel gizmo whatever like i need to hear the lead vocal and if there's an announce <laughs> mic i need to hear that yes. you know don't spend I an hour it. on the kick drum
1: Oh, I love this so much. And I can't help but think about other scenarios in the military where the same principles apply. It's fundamentals and basics. Like always. you're on a Navy SEAL m- mission and everything goes to crap. Well, is your gun working? Do you have a flashlight? And does your radio work? It's like the simple stuff. I just, I love the theme of fundamentals and basics and being thorough and just having your- And efficiency. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And and we've even, you know, I've talked to people about this. Like, they go, what do I need to learn if I want to do audio? And funny enough, I call it, well, you need to learn combat audio. And it's what <laughs> happens when the band
3: Writing that down. the
1: band's late, half the snake isn't working. You've got eight inputs. You thought you had 24 and the show starts in 15 minutes. And by the way, the horn on the left side of the PA is not working. That's combat audio. It's like, okay- What's the mission? What's most important? And how I'd get that done as fast as possible.
2: So I love all of this. So I know we've we've talked a little bit about some of our, our large shows, but I think one of the things that also sets us apart uh, in, in terms of having the, the people on our team that we do is some of the biggest gigs that we do every year uh, are actually for rooms of only like 25 or 50 people.
1: Yeah. And mm.
2: they're, they're for the highest ranking officials in, in our government and in our army. And, and so one of, one of my most stressful gigs that, that I walked into was a small chorus singing with a string quartet for a room of about 20 people, but a, a very, high up army official was going to speak and the podium mic that is in this, this ballroom was, is it was just like the microphone plugged into the speaker inside of the, the podium and, uh, was just garbage and was bad. And I saw that as soon as I walked in. And so I had in the back of my brain, have a wireless mic ready to go, have a wireless mic ready to go because they're not going to like that at all. And so as soon as they said, Hey, we need a mic i I already had it ready to go and 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 went off without a hitch, but um those those gigs are just as important as our gigs where we're mixing for three or four thousand people out in a field somewhere
0: probably more important because there's a lot of brass there that has a lot of influence, so
2: most that's definitely a great story. I have another cool story about a uh a pretty incredible gig that I was able to be a part of, so it's not every day that you get to go work at the White House. Um, But I got to work at the White House for about a week, which was pretty cool. Um, We were able to partake in a state dinner for um, the Australian prime minister who visited. And uh, they wanted to make it a fully immersive experience for all of the guests. They did it in the Rose Garden. And so this was a really cool experience because we brought in, uh, we had about 100 100 musicians, 150 musicians that completely engulfed the the entire Rose Garden up on the roof of the White House playing down. Uh, We had PA that was hidden in the trees in the Rose Garden and the, the their biggest thing was that this dinner was going to happen and then at some point in the dinner this music event was just going to start and so we had to hide almost everything in order to make it seem like they were just walking into a dinner and maybe someone was going to come out and sing later so we That's had so cool. we had all of these sm- small diaphragm microphones hidden in in bushes along the side of the White House, on this side of the Rose Garden, on the the far side of the Rose Garden, um, all these little small diaphragm condensers. I, I had scratches all up and down my arms from the holly bushes, like trying to position microphones and run cables. And uh, so we had, in total, I think we had 40 microphones that we had to put out um, in order to capture this because we wanted every seat at the dinner to have the same experience. Um, and then on top of the West Wing of the White House, we had the Marine Band, full Marine Band, a uh, concert band playing. And then our Herald trumpets and our strings took turns playing on the, um, the side of the white, the longer side of the Rose Garden. Uh, and so it was this completely engulfed... Uh, Event, but we were there for rehearsals for a full week and load in, and and uh, it was a pretty magical experience um, to to be part of that.
3: That is where to just to in- inject. That is where the basics matter the most. I mean, it it doesn't matter, you know, what type of cool new gizmo, you know, effects processing, enhancing server thingamajig. If you don't know how to get sound from point A to point B, and then ultimately to the listener's ears, you know nothing else matters at that point in time. We we also we started that gig
2: with I think only ten microphones, and so <laughs> that was one of the big things was that the our coordinator at the White House they would say Hey, we want this uh, right now, and so it had to be done. Um, and so falling back on those basics is the only way to get something like that done as quickly as as we could.
1: Gosh,
0: that's incredible. That's awesome. So um, another thing that not many people get to experience is um, just yesterday, in fact, you guys got a new commander in chief. And so there were a lot of events around the inauguration that you guys got to be a part of. So I know the Marine Band was playing. um, as the big concert band, but the Herald trumpets were there as well. And I saw the Herald trumpets on TV last night. So just talk us through logistically, like what does their day look like in terms of all that they had to do throughout the day to get from point A to point B and playing and all the stuff that, you know, a day like yesterday entails. Uh,
3: what I could say is that for anybody that's involved with, with one of these, uh, you know, national special events, um, the days are always long uh especially now in, in a covid environment on top of all of the security screening that you have to go through and arriving very very early to get through the screening you're you're g- generally on site you know many many hours before any of the dignitaries ever show up uh we also had to go through a covid screening and the and rapid testing as well so they they take that very seriously but to to say that their day was long is is kind of an understatement. It was like really, really long. So especially for the Herald Trumpets, which that ensemble, they're fantastic. Nobody else does what they do. Um, but yeah, they, they were there at the, the Capitol for the swearing in. Then they moved uh, to the white house for the arrival. Uh, and then later on that evening at the Lincoln for the, the evening performance. So uh, just like being on tour, I mean, you have to, you have an act. It has three gigs in a day and yeah. you got to get them from point A to point B. Uh, even though they're, they're in the army and they're soldiers and they're all, you know, hardcore, they got to eat. Someone's got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. So you you have to factor that stuff into the equation as well. It's outdoors. So you got to make sure that uh, everybody is taken care of that, you know, they're, they're obviously wearing their, their cold weather, uh, you know, clothing underneath the, the uniform to, to stay um, yeah, it
0: wasn't it wasn't exactly balmy.
3: No, it, it was pretty windy <laughs> and to hear the herald trumpets when they performed uh for the actual swearing in, I was like, man, they sound good. And the first thing I was thinking it's like, I hope they're in tune because it's so cold outside that, you know, and, and they're up there, and you can't just I mean, they're trying to, you know, very discreetly keep air flowing through the instruments. I mean, that's a lot yeah. of it's a lot of metal <laughs> to to yeah. keep to keep warm. That's for sure, but um yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah.:
0: So I was listening I was listening to the ceremony on the radio in my car as I was driving yesterday, and as a former trumpet player, I can tell you that keeping an instrument in tune when it's that cold is not an easy task, and they sounded awesome, even through the radio, like it was a reporter's ambient mic that was picking up the fanfares and stuff, and it was, it was on point. It was great. So kudos to those guys for a job well done. It was awesome.
2: So for us, we, we didn't have a lot of since most of what was going on yesterday was ceremonial, uh, yeah. our, our ceremonial band, we, we don't have to provide any sound reinforcement necessarily for them. And so historically for other inaugurations, um, the, the tech support has helped out with some of the balls that happen, um, after the, the ceremony and at the end of the day um but because of covid restrictions and everything there weren't any balls last night so
3: yeah so uh, i guess since i'm the old guy here uh (laughs) so kind of rewinding time uh in 2017 they had the make america great again concert i believe it was the night before the swearing in ceremony that was at the lincoln uh we provided all of the uh mix for the band performance. So they're getting a stem from us to the broadcast. Um, that's, that's a huge thing. I mean, I, I I go back and every now and then I'll look at the, uh, the YouTube link where they did battle him of the Republic. That was sort of the closer right before the fireworks. And it's, it's, it's never lost on me in every now and then, like you, I think it's critical that you remind yourself of, you know, The impact that your work can have, whether you're on a gig in a concert hall, if you're at some club, if you're at church, the, the job that you do impacts a listener. And that single performance of Battle Hymn of the Republic, I mean, it's somewhere in the 500 million, you know, the multiple news outlets that have shared that again and again. I mean, that's a lot of people here in your mix, so that's a little bit of a weight that's on top of you um one of the first ones that i did this was 2009 hbo did a special this is for uh president obama's uh inaugural so there was a an event at the lincoln the day before the inaugural um and that was the uh, we are one special and i think i can say it out loud now that was all done it was all pre-record but we did all the recording session uh in our, in our facility here on Fort Myer in Virginia. And so we bring in the full orchestra, uh, w- which were all service uh, musicians. And then they bring in this rhythm section. And I'm like, oh, who are these guys that are going to come in and do this? And I go down in the studio getting ready to mic up the drums, and it's Kenny Arnoff and Nathan East on <laughs> oh, bass. Oh, and I'm like, What? <laughs> you know but uh it it, it was such a, such a great thing and then but it's a ton of mixes that you've got to get all this stuff tracked you got to do it's you're doing a full orchestral like a soundtrack session and you got to get it knocked out in a week and it's got to be right i mean you know and this is actually the one where time really wasn't money but time is money all the time so th- that was uh just a, an outstanding experience we've done I've done multiple uh, anthems for the Super Bowl. We did. I did the Rose Bowl a couple years. So I mean, it's always these jobs where you think, "Oh, it's just a two miker." Yeah, it's a two miker that a bazillion people are going to hear. So it needs well, to be how, good. How
0: gratifying is it for you to be able to go back and watch the YouTube playback and go, "Man, that that holds up. Like that sounds really good." And I got to be a part of that. That's. That's very cool because in the moment sometimes it may just feel like, gosh, you're just running around like crazy trying to get it all done, and you don't really remember how good it was. And then you listen back, and you're like, oh yeah, that was that was rocking. That's great.
3: Oh for sure, and that's I think actually there was uh, whoever was in, was in the truck for the HBO special for the the actual broadcast. So there were some of the vocals that were live, um, and it was one of these, you know, oh the mic's muted you know, you, you see the, see the mouth moving and you don't hear anything. And it's like, you you can easily get wrapped around the hinges in real time with, with those kind of things. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's like, it's nerve wracking in the moment, but it it is, it's humbling and, you know, gratifying at the same time to be like, whoa, that's pretty sweet. I mean, I've got friends that are recording engineers and man to sell a thousand records or a hundred thousand or to get, you know, 50,000 views on Instagram or something. But when you're looking at like products that you're doing that are consumed in the, you know, tens of millions of times now, it's a uh, gratifying for sure. Nerve wracking always, <laughs> but that's, again, that's, that's where the basics come into play. You're, you're going to air in five minutes. Don't, it, it ain't the time to be, you know, goofing with your, the, your latest piece of gear, like trying to get your usb c mic to work right before the podcast starts (laughs) yeah no kidding don't remind me sergeant i kid i kid
1: (laughs) my gosh yeah that's sergeant major to you excuse
3: me yeah excuse me (laughs) can you do push-ups over there oh yeah (laughs) that's
0: right that that was that was another thing when you're talking about basics you know alex you mentioned okay you know gain structure and eq and basics i'm just wondering how many push-ups are you doing between each one of those components because you know you guys you know you can't apply for this job if you're not prepared to be in shape either
1: so
2: it depends what week it is if we have a a uh, physical fitness test that month then we're doing a lot more push-ups in between the, that's uh, funny. the sound check that, i it. mean
1: that's funny but you have the same physical requirements as anyone else in the military so the annual fitness test yes. right
2: talk about that i well i look at it as a benefit and it is only going to help my longevity in in this field because i mean like we were talking about earlier with moving the timpani uh the cases we're moving and pushing around every single day are not light and and so keeping myself in shape and being able to meet those those standards that the army sets out uh it it's only a motivation to to stay uh fit because uh pushing we have we have one ramp in our uh music building that i think my uh one of my 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 battle buddies over here michael was uh we were pushing the case probably weighed about seven hundred pounds and we're pushing it up this ramp and we got to the top and we're like that that was a good workout for the day <laughs> yeah wow so it, i it it is at first, if you are not, if you're coming into this job and you don't uh, work out every day or you you don't have, you aren't as physically active, uh, that's definitely something that I saw a lot of people in basic training struggle with. Um, but it is, it's a great way to stay on top of just keeping yourself healthy and, and uh, being able to push cases all day.
1: What are the annual physical requirements for the Army?
3: Uh, so, physical requirements, uh, there is the Army Combat Fitness Test. Uh, it used to be the Army, uh, th- they would call it the PT Test, your physical fitness test. Uh, it's it's a series of six events now that includes uh, a deadlift. There's uh, um, push-ups. There's a the run. There's a few other events. Uh, there's a kind of a called the hanging knee tuck there's a 10 pound ball throw and all these are designed to simulate motions uh, that you would experience in a combat scenario um a little bit more realistic than the, the previous tests which i think were still a, a good baseline to judge somebody's fitness but what it was push-ups sit-ups and a two-mile run Generally, if you're deployed and you're engaged in some kind of combat thing, you're not running two miles in tennis shoes and a pair of shorts. But uh, to Alex's point, th- that level of fitness for anybody in the industry, whether you're, you're indoors or outdoors, uh, you're in a production company, you work in, in, in a church or a venue, I mean, gear is heavy and you need to be careful. I mean, yeah. we only have one back. You know, I've, I've injured my shoulders and I've injured my back and knees doing dumb things thinking that I'm a hero and I can, I'll, I'll sling this, you know, this big infra sub over one arm or something like that. It's like, no, it's, it's not, not a good idea, but the more you can do to, uh, just keep your body healthy and and your mind healthy, which I think it, uh, the, the two go hand in hand. Um, it's, it's crucial, especially if you're on the festival circuit or you're doing all the summer concerts, you know. It's, you could be strong, but if you're not acclimated to the weather, I mean, that's as, as the senior person in the organization, uh, I have to also be very, very uh, careful in, in, in managing personnel. I mean, if there's a, a performance that the, the band is doing and we're responsible to get the entire rig up in a certain period of time and it happens to be 110 degrees outside, uh, we've got to manage that and ensure that number one that the mission happens there's no option for failure we're not canceling uh but also I've got people that are they're human beings and I need to make sure that they're taken care of and not just well you're a hardcore soldier you know yes but I got to make sure that people are, are hydrated that they're eating well that no one's coming in you know from multiple back-to-back days we, we do try our best to to mitigate that while understanding that we have missions of national importance that have to get accomplished, so stay healthy, everyone. That's great. That's a great word. To
2: tag on to the uh, the heat thing, I think one of my first summers that I was here, uh, I was a2ing for Sergeant Major, and uh, it was so hot on stage that the gaskets on the uh, the boom microphone stands were had had like melted. And so all of the microphones, like, had completely sagged. And so, like, five minutes before go time, we had to all run on stage and tighten all the mics back down. And, yeah.
1: And I'm guessing you guys can't wear uh, cargo shorts and tank tops at the gigs like our festival friends <laughs> either. Show black. Show black. So just, yeah, yeah. Just black pants, black polos, that type of thing in the summer.
3: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We do, like, we we we're we're lucky that uh we can wear that stuff and i think it, it's very very helpful even but we we wear uniforms all the time. Yeah. It, sometimes when you're doing uh executive branch support, you might wear a suit. Uh it all it all really sort of depends on, on the mission. Um but uh yeah, there's you know, black pants in the summer. Yep. Yeah. You know.
1: That's hot. And DC is not mild in the summer either. It is hot and humid. Absolutely. So what about gear and inventory? Like with all this stuff you're talking about, do you guys carry and own all of your own equipment? Do you use rentals, a combination of that? How does all that work?
3: So uh, we do have a, a pretty large inventory, uh, but at the same time, uh, we try to be good stewards of of. Our finances. Thank you as Uh, a taxpayer. I
1: mean, you guys pay taxes too, right? So thank you.
3: Absolutely. So, uh, carrying really large scale PA, really large format consoles, uh, in the past, we maintained that in our inventory. uh, But as technology grows, as productions grow, uh, it just becomes not really cost efficient for us to own that big type of stuff so uh it it, it makes it actually kind of nice that we we don't have to worry necessarily about oh man i bought this awesome a bazillion channel console and uh in a year later it's obsolete because they're not offering any updates or anything like that we can pretty much rent what we need for the large scale stuff but from a small scale stuff we do have quite a bit of the yamaha infrastructure so pretty much any show that you do up to 72 fairly easy i mean we've we've sync multiple consoles together uh sometimes that works as well where we'll have a CL5 doing all the orchestral inputs and then we'll have a production kind of desk with maybe some stems or uh, rhythm section vocals that kind of thing um, so we, we do carry a pretty big inventory uh of the Yamaha stuff uh not officially endorsing any brand we've we've had soundcraft in the past uh I'm trying to think
1: just whatever's the best gear for the job. I and mean, you kind of, you decide that.
3: Absolutely. And it does, we have a budget just like any other governmental organization. So we do try to get the most bang for the buck. Uh, I mean, for years we had a bunch of the, the Yamaha, the, the DM two thousands and one K's. Yeah. And, um, old Apogee three by threes that we'd have to ho up on scaffolding and stuff like that. Dude. I love those speakers.
1: Up. They sound really good.
3: Yeah, or the, uh, we had the 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 big bins, the Meyer six fifty ps. When I first got here, those were great, but yeah, they're backbreaker. Yeah. Um, so, and we, we've gone through a, a variety of PA. I mean, in our stuff, it gets used. I mean, we're just like, um, like any other big production company that's out there. I mean, you start touring with that stuff, you're banging it up on a truck for a number of years, and eventually, it becomes less cost efficient to keep repairing stuff. So, uh, but again, yeah, I, I can. Uh, attest to all the listeners that we try to do our very very best in being good stewards of uh the money that is entrusted to us to spend on, on this stuff i know that's always a, a little bit of a, a hot button issue uh even, you know, i can tell you we have a large format api console which sounds fantastic uh you know you could do the math yeah. mean, they're not cheap right. but at the same time it doesn't need updates <laughs> right and it, right right you, you you do your job and you maintain your equipment just like you any other you know military organization you have to maintain the equipment you got to make sure that tank runs that the helicopter flies that every weapon is serviced you know a, a good piece of gear is an investment uh and you know we've had the api now for 6 years uh fantastic we, we do the user level maintenance on our end and then uh the folks fortunately for us that they're up in Jessup Maryland uh which is about 40 minutes north of where we are so uh it's nice that you can get a service call to come down I mean we used to have a DPC2 way back in the day and an old soundtracks desk that you had to fly somebody over from the UK to come in and, and, and do service so you know that, that gets a little bit troublesome <laughs>
0: Well, it it all goes back to your point about efficiency and, you know, for the gear that you guys own, you know, for it to be standardized enough so that all of your engineers can know what they're getting into when they walk up to a, a desk and that it's the same as it was on the gig they did, you know, three or four missions ago. And if you need a bigger thing and you've got to have a large format console and a huge PA, then you've got companies like Maryland Sound and other guys locally who, can partner with you on those things and i'm sure you know i'm sure there's a lot of companies that you guys use but that's that's really cool i i love hearing about all this stuff it's really
2: fascinating and so for some of our for some of our larger shows um we're up to 120 inputs yeah uh for for those shows uh with it could be like 20 25 uh wireless handhelds um and then everything else is wired on stage. So every every instrument in the orchestra um, is mic'd up, every percussion instrument. Um, and so we we have that mic locker full of of stuff to use. Um, a whole bunch of different uh, dynamic and condenser microphones for different applications. Um, and so that, that we, uh, having road cases that we can roll around and can mic up a full orchestra. Um, And then kind of going back to, to that kind of like Dante ecosystem that we're in right now, because we are working with all these different ensembles and, and for some of these big shows, these ensembles are, are melded together for whatever music has to happen. Uh, all of our gear we try and have it so that it is interchangeable so that we can put together um, a system so that we can have a a front of house desk and a monitor world um, set up and a broadcast desk Um, for monitors for some of our big shows we've been doing recently we've we've had two monitor mixers one for wedges and then one for in-ear mixes for singers and
3: Yeah, some some of those, especially I was going to mention the the monitor situation. It it is a luxury to have a a team that's our size, Uh, and and I would I would always state because this team is they're fantastic. Yeah, they're all soldiers, but they are top level audio engineers, system techs, stage managers. There are no duds here at all. But I mean, we do. I think with the crew that we have, probably what some civilian, I would at least say we can do twice as much with half the people. Um, Yeah. That, you know, everybody is that mission focused, but when we sort of move to these large format shows where you've got 24 ear mixes going on, in addition to a series of wedges all over the stage for, for the orchestra, uh, one person can do it. But we, we have the capability and the infrastructure to, to sort of lighten that load. And adding another body into the equation actually did help with that efficiency. So one person can sit there and focus solely on the ear mixes. We have one person or two that'll be dedicated to RF monitoring. I can tell you in the national capital that RF is a special kind of environment to where I mean, you can go in there with 24 handhelds and 24 belt packs and all your clear com and everything else, and everything is great and it's all scanned and it works. Uh, we had an event to where there was high-level dignitaries that were showing up, and uh, usually those folks will bring along organic security assets and certain types of countermeasures for electrical signals, so you don't have somebody with a cell phone bomb or something. And about an hour before the show, all of our wireless completely takes a dump, so you know we've got, uh, yeah, we've got one again, you're talking you know twenty four hands, twenty four ears plus clearcom. and you know our our wireless ninjas, man, they are out there rescanning and finding slivers of bandwidth to stick stuff in uh, to to make it work. I mean, it's you know, you thought it was bad when, like HDTV started eating up frequencies and that. I think. Like, you start adding in, Secret Service and law enforcement and fire, EMS and all those other things. You know,
0: I love. By the way, I love the phrase "organic security assets."
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm trying, you know, trying to keep it on the down low.
1: That's that's fantastic.
3: Big big trucks with lots of antennas show up outside of your gig. You're like, you know, you'll be praying for the day of, uh, you know, putting a wedge on the floor with a uh, 58 on a on a leash. You know. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's incredible. Well, it's funny because when I was watching the broadcast last night, you know, the first thing up is Springsteen on a Wired 58 with a solo acoustic and a DI and a wedge. And I'm like, that sounds pretty darn good. It's, you know, it's amazing how, again, going back to the basics, it's like, man, you don't need all the whiz bang stuff to be effective and musical and impactful and efficient and all those things it was a very moving performance with just a 58 and a guitar
1: it's awesome
3: yeah as they say uh it's it's not the bat it's the batter
1: yes Yeah. You know. yeah yes well guys thank you so much we wanted to keep you much longer we i think we went over the time we told you we would take so um this has been awesome thank you to for doing this thank you for your service it really is like one of the coolest honors to talk to other people that do what we do that serve our country. We've got listeners all over the world. I know that they would say the same things about um, their own military and guys that you do in other countries as well. This is just so cool to put this in uh, the uh, just a different perspective. And it's been a great reminder of fundamentals as I started this whole thing with a new adapter and new <laughs> microphones and I'll never do that again. That's great. So for people who are interested in finding out more,
0: bands.army.mil, M-I-L, is the place to go to see if there are any job openings or to learn more about the procedure for getting involved. And maybe you'll have the privilege of working with these guys someday. So,
3: Also go to usarmyband.com. That is the, the website for our organization Pershing Zone. And there is a tab there for vacancies. So you can periodically check that out as well. Uh, and additionally, if there are other uh, musical and non-musical uh, job opportunities, they will present themselves there as well. And they do have all of the um, the hiring info and the requirements.
0: Again, I echo, I echo Lee's uh, sentiment. Thank you guys so much for all that you do. It was great to talk to you and this has been awesome.
2: And then also, if you are interested in just following what we're doing, uh, and, and checking out shows, um, especially during COVID. We've been doing a whole lot of broadcasting and putting up content online. Um, and so you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, we're also on Discord, um, YouTube. And YouTube. So, US um, Army Band.
1: Yep. That's awesome. I'm
2: awesome. going to
0: follow right now. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, guys. This has been great.
3: Yeah, thank you. Thank you.